everybody. Welcome to this research conversation episode of Change Starts Here. I'm Kim Yaris, and I am joined by my friends and colleagues, Drs. Eve Miller and Jennifer Chevalier. Today, we are going to discuss the importance of time management and those skills and how they relate to executive function and academics. Awesome. So we put out a poll recently on social media and we asked all of you, how do you feel about your workload on a typical day? And the results showed that none of the respondents to our poll feel like they have their workload completely under control. In fact, 57% of you feel either completely overwhelmed or somewhat overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, and that strikes me as being high. But then I also read another a blog put out by Time Miller in 2023, and they reported a much larger sample size, but only 20% of adults feel like they have their workload under control on a daily basis, which means 80% of us do not feel like we have our workloads under control. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's why I said time management. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, when you said that about like it, it coming in high, I think about educators and people in education, leading it, um, helping with it in various ways. And like, it is, it is exactly what I would expect. In fact, I would expect it to be higher. And, you know, during this time when there's quiet quitting, right, and across professions and within, you know, teaching and education, there's unprecedented numbers of attrition. It's likely that an unmanageable workload is playing a part in this resignation, right? Like, this ability to manage the time that you have in the ways that are the most important. Um, and I think everyone's had times where their workload felt overwhelming. I think most of us do. Uh, so, you know, I love this. Let's, let's uh, get into our feeling words. Like, so what are some of those feelings that surface when you think about feeling overwhelmed at work? Cause I, I think it's important to kind of make that connection between an emotion and this thing we're all experiencing. I know that I feel anxious. Uh, when my workload is high, I don't, I find that I don't, I'm not sleeping very well at night, which tends to exacerbate the problem because when I don't have enough sleep, my time management skills are worse, which means I don't get as much done. It's a very vicious cycle. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, I consider time management like a personal strength for me, but I definitely have times when my workload seems unmanageable. And so because it doesn't happen a lot to me, I always feel surprised by it and I get really stressed. And then I just start going through my time management strategies and trying to figure out how to alleviate the burden and the stress of it. Um, yeah, so those strategies are exactly what we're hoping to harness here today. Um, so to kick things off, let's start by defining time management. So when I think about it, um, you know, I think about it as how long it's going to take to get something done and then figuring out how much time we have without running out of it before the deadline hits. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a great definition of it. Um, just kind of that kind of deadline centered focus on time management. What is it that you're working towards? Like there is, 
a finite amount of it. And we're working towards things within that finite time. But I also find as we jump into it, as you said, I find there's some misconceptions about time management and just like talking about the emotions of things. I love to talk about the misconceptions because I feel like those are the mindsets or the beliefs rather that get in the way. So I'd love to just talk through a couple that I think we can all relate to, two kind of myths that we commonly see. Does that sound okay? Sure. Great. Okay. Okay. So here's myth one. Um, And, you know, it's this idea that, well, we see this in a number of the skills that are related to executive function that we're talking about in this season of the podcast. Um, And that is this idea that you're either born with it or you're not. So in this case, effective time management is something you either have or you don't. So is that a myth? What do y'all think? Well, I heard you say we were going to talk about some myths and then you said this. Um, but if I didn't have that background, like based on my own experience, I would have thought that time management is kind of more of a personality trait. Either you're born with it or not. I feel like I was born with this one. I missed some of the other traits that I wish I had. Um, but this has just always come really easily to me. I can totally see where this one is a myth. Um, you know, I think uh, immediately of my oldest son, who frankly, as a child was terrible at managing his time. Um, you know, he always missed his assignments. He never knew when there were tests. But however, as he has grown, um, he's quite successful now with managing his time. Um, in fact, he even recently told me that he's been complimented at it at his new job. That's fantastic. Congratulations. And I I think that gets at why I believe it's a myth. Um, And I know, Jennifer, you were playing along. And I do think that people certainly have different levels that they are born with. Um, But underneath time management is a set of skills that are executive functions. And ultimately, as we know, and we've talked about in previous episodes, executive functioning is a learned set of behaviors and skills. So based on that, time management absolutely can be learned. There's a need for awareness and there's a need for building basic skills. I want to jump into, given the time, I want to jump into the second myth. And this is more the in a, a category of myths around executive functioning. Um, and I think I'll call it the hack, kind of this uh, hack culture that we live in, right? Where we are always looking for, if you look up time management, you're bombarded with a lot of different hacks on how to do it. Um, so time management and these hacks is kind of a short-term solution that falls apart when compared to the non-hack of building the skills. Like, so what do you think is the around the myth of hacks can help you build time management skills. Yeah, well, so our lives certainly have no shortage of hacks, for sure. Um, and I know what you're talking about when you refer to all of the self-help books, the apps, the shortcuts. I know for my own self, like I have used things like that, but not been successful. 
and using them. So I'm like, and then I feel bad. Like, why aren't these hacks working? Um, when I think of time management hacks, I think of things like trying to maximize every like spot of downtime I have. If I'm at a traffic light, can I quick read an email and respond? If I'm sitting in the dentist's office, can I read the first half of an article so that I don't have to read the whole thing later? I can just finish it later. Um, so just like trying to like maximize all these little pieces of like wasted time. I do that too. Do you? <laughs> I, I absolutely do not do this. And I mean, I'm sitting here like, so is that how y'all like keep up with your inbox? Because I have, when, when do people find time? Like, oh, you're, now I'm imagining Jennifer in the dentist's office, like, you know, keying out a little, a little message uh, to me. So I don't know, Jennifer, maybe that's, that's a great hack. I don't know. Maybe I'm believing this myth now. <laughs> Some tasks are like quick and you can squeeze them into moments like that. Um, but I would like to know that this hack or strategy can um, kind of go too far and cause problems without those underlying skills. So, yeah, I, I know what you mean, because then you become like this productivity workhorse every moment of every day. And, um, you know, and I feel like what you just said, Jen, is kind of debunking this myth that time management hacks always help people become more effective in managing their time better. I think it comes down to how we apply these hacks um, so that we don't take them too far. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think the reality of time management is that life hacks are not effective on their own. Like they can be effective if we have the skills that underlie them. So when we're looking for, I think you use the, the term, uh, a shortcut, right? Like when a self-help book is being used as a shortcut or when a time management hack is being used as a, as a shortcut and we're ignoring the skills that underlie it, that's where I think it gets problematic. This is kind of a great segue into the discussion of executive function. So, Eve, you mentioned it before, this has kind of been the thread going through all of uh, the episodes, the research conversation episodes of Change Starts Here. And so there are those three biggies, working memory, uh, cognitive flexibility, inhibitory control, um, which we've been talking about. So with those kind of forefront on our minds, um, how do you think time management connects to those three biggies? Mm. Well. I mean, I'm happy to jump in and take on one of them. <laughs> uh, I can take on like working memory. I, I believe when we think about time management um, through the lens of working memory, I think it's helpful to think about. So working memory, just quickly, you know, that is that idea of we're holding information in our minds so that we can manipulate it, you know, holding that phone number in our mind, holding the shopping list in our mind, the, the less time management we do by holding it in our minds, when we can outsource it to those tools, to hacks, so that it frees up some of that working memory, I think the less attention, like we can automate it more. So we don't want to bog down working memory by saying, okay, I need to leave here in 10 minutes. So I need to keep checking my phone. Like, but I've definitely had those times where it's like set an alarm, right? Or after I do this, I need to go do this. And then I need to do this. It's like, 
put it on your schedule, right? Like, so holding all of that in mind, you know, the more that we can help ourselves by using some of those tools um, and freeing up working memory, you know, it allows us to be more effective in um, balancing different pieces of our schedule that already needs a working memory to help us plan and prioritize. Well, for someone who has some shortcomings with my like short-term working memory, that's a really useful tip for me. I'm going to have to think about that a little bit, Eve. Um, (laughs) A second executive function that I just want to highlight here is cognitive flexibility. And that's really important with time management because like things come up that are unexpected. And so we have to be able to adjust schedules or priorities um, like we might have a work related project planned, um, and we've got, you know, tasks broken out each day. So we hit the deadline, but then suddenly due to illness or a family situation, we have to take two days off from work and suddenly the project's in jeopardy of not being completed on time. So just being able to regroup, reevaluate, reprioritize and move things around is really important to be successful in time management. So this is making me think that, um, Time management really hits the three biggies in a big way because it also makes me think about inhibitory control, um, which is that ability to control impulsive behaviors, avoid distractions, remain focused, um, which are all critical to time management. Um, I know that I can think of a time many times when I've gotten distracted from whatever it is that I'm doing and then I don't finish out what I set out to do. Um, Does that happen to you too? (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Never. (laughs) Weird. Tell me more. Um, And if we think about the relevance of time management to academics, like let's make that shift. We've got, we've covered executive function and now we're thinking about how those all feed into the academic realm. Um, Students' ability to plan and manage their time can deeply affect their capacity to complete assignments, um, have a sense of control over their workloads, and feel successful in school overall. Yeah, and in in schools and education, it's very common that um, students get planners or agendas so that they can keep track of their upcoming assignments, their tests, but like that myth that we talked about earlier, these planners or agendas are just a time management tool. I mean, my son's lived at the bottom of his backpack. <laughs> um, so that tool is only as good as the skills um, of the person who's using it. Oh, yes. I mean, as you're saying that, <laughs> I was thinking about the many neglected planners I've had in my past that probably you know, really have a grudge against me now because I tell you 1997, that one sat unused, (laughs) but, and it was probably Franklin Quest too. So apologies. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I think about, um, you know, with planners to what you're saying, Kim, you know, the planners are the ones that plan, right? And I thought that by just having the planner, I would somehow be able to magically have the skills that go into like whatever, however people ended up putting stuff in there. When in reality, I hadn't developed the critical skill of looking at a big task and figuring out how to break it into more manageable pieces, for example. I mean, this is a critical skill in planning, but you have to learn it, right? Uh, Also prioritizing and I find, you know, many students, myself included as a student, 
they don't naturally know how to do this well. And if you think about it, even determining how to take a big project and break it into smaller pieces, like I was just saying, right, that requires deliberate growth in our awareness of how much time certain tasks take, experience with prioritizing what is most important, in addition to all the other pieces like the right size of project to break down, how to do it right. Like, so there's modeling, there's experience that's needed in order to really get those complex pieces of time management. Eve, you're making me think that it's important for um, children and young adults to learn this and on into adulthood to keep refining our um, skills in this area, right? Because we can always improve. Um, and as you were talking about taking like projects and just knowing how much different chunks take of your time, you made me think, you know, here I am at Franklin Covey starting up a new department this year. And I'm pretty much guessing at how long certain projects will take because I don't have a history with these types of projects and the type of work that I'm doing um, now in this department. And so I've, you know, used my time management skills to develop some systems so I can start tracking how long things are actually taking so I can be better at forecasting more accurately how long things will take to make sure I'm meeting deadlines. Oh, I'm like learning all sorts of things here today. <laughs> I mean, and you are someone who's so good with time management. So that's, that's very validating here. Like even you, you're growing your awareness and you have these tools and tricks to do it. And I think it is a perfect segue into discussing how educators and families can help students to learn and practice time management skills. We've already started to touch on it. Jennifer, you just shared a way to teach older students and even younger, you know, in some of those earlier stages of the awareness, you know, how to understand time and to predict how long tasks will take in the future. And I think by, by having them track how much time they actually spend on different types of tasks, they can use the information to predict the amount of time needed for future tasks. This seems simple, but when is a student asked to do this or encouraged to do this, even younger students growing their perception of time, you know, into middle and late elementary school, they're, they're able to do that. Um, and for younger students, you know, educators can model how to think about time, you know, as, as a teacher or the teachers in your building that can think about, you know, saying simple things like, okay, students, it takes about one minute to put away our math materials and about two minutes to get our lunch boxes and get lined up at the door, right? Something simple like that gives them an awareness of how much time things are taking so that as the release of the control happens, they're understanding how long different types of activities take. Hey, I just love that idea because I, um, I just don't think that kids have a very good sense of time to begin with. Yeah. And, you know, like, what's a minute? What's two minutes? And then all of a sudden they get this feeling. Jen, what were you going to say? Uh, well, it, I had a flashback to when my son was little. We used to say two minute warning, but he heard two minute morning. And so that became the standing joke when we were getting ready to like go somewhere. It'd be two minute morning. Depending on where he's going, it could have been different spellings of morning, I, I take it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I just love this idea of giving them a concept uh, or kind of 
developing their concept of time. And something else that I think that we can help to develop is their ability to prioritize. You know, I think that if we were, when we leave it up to kids, um, they would prioritize what they enjoy rather than focusing on what's important, right? Um, but the goal, of course, instead is to th help them to figure out um, how to get the most important things done and have time to enjoy themselves. Um, so I think striking this balance helps them to feel productive and happy. They're happy at home, they're happy at school. And so the question of course is how do we do this? I guess lists, lists, I live by lists. Um, and if we have them list what they have to do and the things that they want to do, then they can kind of look at their lists and compare and be able to prioritize and keep in mind that they have they, they have to, when it comes to prioritizing, they have to consider both of those. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. Um, so I can, I think back to what you were talking about earlier, Kim, about like um, using agendas or planners with students. And, you know, I'd always have the students write when a project was due or something. But what I could have been doing to help them learn some of these skills is helping them see how to break out these larger projects into it, smaller tasks and putting those tasks in their planners as well. And then building in like buffer days, right? Because inevitably something's going to happen. Grandma's going to have a surprise visit for dinner and th that night's work won't get done toward the project or whatever. So if we, you know, if the project's due on a Friday, having the schedule finish the project on Wednesday provides a way to alleviate stress when these unexpected things come up. They can just push the activities back one day and comfortably meet the deadline. I, I mean, as you say this, that that student who had that empty planner at the end of 1997, um, <laughs> what you just shared there, that feels doable to me. I like what was shared here. Like, I truly feel like that would have helped me as a student going to help me as an adult because I've heard all sorts of things that helps me to understand how y'all are so darn productive. So thanks for that. And thank you to all of you who have joined us and who have listened. We are just so glad that you've been able to join us for this discussion about time management skills and education setting and beyond. We sure hope you'll join us for our next episode when we will explore adaptability, something that came up here a little bit today and how it connects to executive function and academic success. And remember, be sure to like and subscribe to the Change Starts Here podcast so you're alerted when the next episode drops. Take care. Bye.